Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I, actually, I should do a Hamilton intro. My name is Ollie Davis. My name is Ollie Davis. There's a million things I haven't done. Here's Lou Cohen. Here's Lou Cohen. Hello, Swath Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Hamilton. How the devil are you? I'm doing good because Hamilton is now available to watch on Disney Plus. And do you know what? I told everyone it's gonna it's gonna feel not as good as in the theater. And when we all sat down and watched it, yeah, two hours forty minutes is quite a long time to watch a recorded play on a TV. That is a long time. Mm. Funny enough, do you know, we actually had an email in from Jesse that says, Hi, Luke Ollie and everyone at WrestleTalk. I'm a little bit behind on wrestling and therefore I'm also behind on the podcast. I've only just been listening to the June 10th review of AEW and Luke and Ollie were talking about a documentary on hip hop that they've seen. So I wanted to recommend that you check out Hamilton if you haven't <laughs> seen it already. It's a hip hop rap Broadway musical about the life of American founding father Alexander Hamilton. Strange concept, Diane. No, but trust me, it's wonderful. And it's just recently been, re- been released on Disney Plus to view the full musical. Otherwise, all the songs are on Spotify, but I highly recommend watching it live as a, the visual experience is next level. Anyway, since I'm behind on the podca- podcast, I probably won't hear this read out for another few weeks at least. But, uh, but much love from Swath Thunder, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. Wow, imagine doing that. When I, when I miss Wrestling Observers, uh, I don't go back and listen to them. Because it's nope. old news. Old Imagine news, going man. back and listening to, I guess, the completists in us want yeah. to listen to all the episodes. But however, if they are a completist, they will have heard the episode after you went to go see it in the theatre and how you wouldn't shut up about it. That's a good point, Jesse. <laughs> 
also before we get into the actual show itself um there's something that has been loaded into the uh, Streamyard backend where we've been recording the podcast for the last four years um while we were in lockdown uh, that i thought you may enjoy and i just wanted to play it for you now what goes on in this town is none of your business as long as i'm living here it is then maybe you shouldn't be living here I enjoyed that very much. <laughs> I think it probably needs a lot of context. Which we'll give in the outro portion of this <laughs> podcast. Because it's time to dive into the Raw review. And hey guys, an ex-WWE, a fired WWE star, returned to the show. And here it is. thought it was pretty good overall actually I, mm. it's just a, another example of the mcmahon pritchard era being far better than the paul Heyman era like we definitively said last week i was gonna say as a reminder of last week oliver davis went on record saying that paul Heyman is a garbage person <clears throat> who's terrible at booking and can't write a decent tv show pritchard is the way forward and you know what in some ways, you were proven right this week, Davis, because this was a very enjoyable episode of Raw. It's again, like, it's scattergun, we need to get ratings, so let's just throw everything. It's, it's all short-term thinking. There's no long-term planning in any of this. Um, but, you know, in some semblances, it worked. I, I, I think there is long-term planning here. I think Randy Orton has been built up slowly to face Drew, uh, but that I reckon that was that always the plan from the Heyman young, times. Young, plucky upstart Randy Orton. Oh, come on. You can't just ha You can't always be thinking five years into the future. Sometimes you've got to book the biggest match for right now. And the other thing, I think because Bruce Pritchard has inherited someone else's toys that they've been playing with, he has instilled what he's been working on over on SmackDown. So a huge part of the, the brilliance of this episode was SmackDown's women's division. Yeah. Sasha Banks Bailey, who can now travel between brands with their women's tag team titles and Nikki Cross. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed Nikki Cross being out there for the main event, particularly how she then played into the finish. What I was saying more with the scattergun approach thing is just it's booking lots of championship matches, doing champion versus champion things. It's announcing more title matches. It's that it's the WCW oh, like dying days WCW mentality of just like, wow, do you know what pops a rating? A title match. So let's just do title matches every single week without really thinking that if you just do title matches every single week eventually they don't mean anything anymore and you just lose all the ratings again so it's it's short-term scattergun thinking but you know in the short term it does work hot shot booking is the technical term i believe but I know, I'm, I'm, scattergun is what i'm going with please uh but the the opening segment on this uh sort of episode kind of gave us a glimpse of a feud that could have been that probably will likely not happen for at least five years until Heath Slater can go away, get super swole, get really good on the indies and come back to WWE and become a champion of some sort. So Drew McIntyre opened the show asking for Dolph Ziggler to come out to choose the stipulation for their match at the horror show at, at Extreme Rules. Right. So off the bat, do we want to talk about how clunky and terrible that name is? I, I don't know what there is to add. No. I, it's just like... It's it's the new normal, as they keep saying. <laughs> it's just the next in a line of terrible pay-per-view names that 
Todd Phillips, bless his heart, tripping over himself on commentary to say it every other sentence, trying to find the most natural way of putting it into a sentence. Everyone else on the show basically just dropped it and ignored it and just said extreme rules. But Tom Phillips, you know, company man through and through, has to be the one to be the horror show at extreme rules. Yeah, it's it, it's they they've mistook bad taglines. So they've they've got bad taglines, but fair enough. They're the taglines, not the actual name of the show. Mm-hmm. But now the taglines have started to latch on to the actual title of the pay-per-view and it's one incoherent mess. Yeah. Altogether. It's, it's the World Cup to determine the greatest tag team in the world. Who looks at how you title Saudi Arabian shows and think (laughs) that's how we should title all the shows? Like they've been badly translated into one language and then badly translated back. I would say, though, perhaps McMahon is looking at this all wrong. But, you know, those Saudi shows make way more money for WWE than any of the shows they do in the US. So maybe he's thinking, oh, it's the name. The name's made us all the money. That's a good point, actually. And you can't argue with that logic, unfortunately. You can't can't argue with the logic that the Saudi Arabia shows make way more money for WWE than anything else they do. Maybe they they are just booking the entire year now for the the Crown Prince (laughs) because he's not going to get a Saudi Arabian show this year because of the pandemic and we can't fly over there and all that stuff. So, yeah, which is all the pay-per-views are now stupidly named. Um, But... Drew McIntyre asked Dolph Ziggler to pick a stipulation. Dolph said, no, I'm not going to tell you my stipulation. And it se- he, he seemed to imply that he's going to announce it on the like minutes before the actual match itself. That was my takeaway from this, is that we're going to find out Dolph's stipulation just on the actual day of the show, which in fairness, I think is quite a nice little bit of storytelling detail, like character wise, because as Dolph says, why would I tell you in advance so you can prepare for it? I'm going to keep it a secret. So you have no idea what you're walking into at, at the horror show at extreme rules. And that's going to give me the advantage. So actually from a character, I think that's quite clever. Yeah. I, I like it too. Um, To me, that says it shouldn't be the main event. I think that's yet another sign that, Hopefully, another match is main eventing the card. Come on, Asuka and Sasha Banks. Uh, but Orson, anyway, big show. oh, stop it. And <laughs> um, Dolph then says, Well, you know, I do have something for you right now, though. Here is Heath Slater. And this is kind of Dolph's way of saying, Hey, Drew, you're not all that great. And you, you, you quit five years ago, sort of bringing up that part of Drew's story that isn't actually that interesting with this framework i think it, it, it that isn't working but man as soon as heath slater walked out not only do you get the initial surprise of oh my god but he he was fired as part of the mid-april set of releases and you know he's his 90-day non-compete clause will expire in two weeks time it seems like he's going to turn up for impact wrestling at slammiversary so Along with everyone else with yeah the rest of the the released folk and that the free folk they should debut like a sort of invading force from north of the wall they've already got someone called the north and uh he slater walks out and you're like not just that isn't just surprising because i thought he was gone but it's it's a sort of emotional punch to the gut that was actually a bit of a stroke of genius yeah particularly because you've got tom and byron and samoa joe on commentary sort of in hushed tones going like he's fired 
Like he got fired a few months ago. He's this is you know, and like they made it feel like it was a really big deal. And then for him to step in and talk about how when Drew got fired all those years ago, Heath was there calling him every single day to kind of check up on him. But when was the last time we spoke? You know, I've been I'm fired and I've got kids. It's not, you know, it's not the 22 that's the gimmick. I do have two kids at home that, you know, that I need to feed in. You didn't call me when I got fired. You haven't spoken to me since I got fired. It was really, really nice character work. Like, I thought Heath was great in this segment. I thought Slater was so, so good. I thought Drew sold it brilliantly. I thought, and like the resulting match that they then had was awesome. Like, I thought this whole segment was brilliant. The only flaw in all of this I can see is they were like, well, Dolph has really got the one up on the mind games here. Like, <laughs> Not really, because Drew's standing tall at the end with his uh, with his arm raised, and he's like celebrating with Heath Slater. So I don't think the mind games really worked there. I, I thought this was an absolutely flawless segment. I thought the performances from Drew and Heath, I agree, were just so good. It's a, it, when you think of Heath Slater, I think people, and certainly me, I think comedy character because he's so good at all that comedy stuff. Being squashed by the legends back after the initial Nexus run the I've Got Kids stuff, 3MB. You think comedy, like really safe pair of hands, enhancement comedy act, really. Yeah, you're a good Santino-level guy. Or Damien Sandow, I think, because, you know, I think WWE got Santino, but they never fully got Damien Sandow. They just give him gimmick after gimmick after gimmick. And each one, he made work. I read an interview today with Heath Slater. Uh, I think it was Heath Slater. No, it was, yeah, because he was saying John Cena once said to him, man, they give you an inch and you turn it into a mile. Just about how Heath Slater takes these crap gimmicks mm. and just makes them work really, really well. And that sort of emotional level of Heath is really underpinning a lot of why he is so beloved, really. Remember that brief storyline he got when Baron Corbin was going to fire him and he was yeah. playing a referee? That was really good stuff because he could sell that emotion. He's a, he's got terrific facials for that kind of stuff. And th this is my criticism of this segment. This is a great Drew versus Heath Slater feud. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm not into Drew versus Dolph, but I really was into. Uh, like Dolph was my the least interesting thing about this segment. Drew and Heath Slater were the way more interesting part of this. Because what about this made you want to see Dolph versus Drew? None of it. Absolutely none of it, yeah. So because, what, and, that's, what, and that's down to the fact that, the, you know, them going like, oh, the mind games by Dolph. I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel like it because Drew won. This is the whole Cedric Alexander is the janitor. Hop, he got one over on Shane. Hey, he didn't make that he lost. Yeah. Well, that's what, yeah, we, we didn't sort of go into the match. Heath chat, like, forces Drew to have a match against him, really. It was qu quite, you know, emotionally tough stuff for McIntyre's character. And McIntyre just... Knocked him out right away after a very brief initial flurry. Hits the Claymore one, two, three. Perfect booking for what they were trying to do, by the way. And mm -hmm. then, yeah, Drew saves him afterwards. I just like, why not? The, if you're not going to make this the main event, it's Extreme Rules. Just do this as the title match and kind of have Heath's job on the line as well. Yeah. you Do, do a Drake Maverick. I know we're all like, oh, that is a bit controversial and tasteless. But with the Drake stuff, man, like, the guy got his job back. And even though it, I think stuff can feel exploitative and be controversial, but actually work really well. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Uh, and people will take against that, but 
if it results in a guy like Heath getting his job back at WWE, I would I personally wouldn't have a problem with it. I yeah, I mean I can certainly see Heath going to Impact for Slammiversary and maybe having a run there, particularly if he is gonna like re you know rekindle that team with Rhino uh, in Impact because you know and sort of rerun that WWE thing over there. I could see Heath going back in a couple of years. Not not going into the WWE Championship picture because as soon as he steps back through that door, they're going to saddle him with the cool. So you're the comedy character again. We'll just saddle you with the same gimmick you had ten years ago, and that's okay. Um, but I do think that he is going. I think he, you know he showed up to work here. They're still paying him. He showed up. He went out, cut a great promo, did the job, didn't complain. You know, as far as we can tell, as far as we know, didn't piss and moan. I think that's going to put him in good stead with the company again, who is going to bring him back in because he's a safe pair of hands that you can have there as an enhancement talent. But that's that's all. I know, I know a lot of people will make the joke, oh, Heath needs to win the WWE Championship, but I think we're kidding ourselves a little bit there. He's not going to be at that level. But I can certainly see WWE bringing him back to be an enhancement guy again. Yeah, I mean, he was in shape. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like, he, he was about a slater and a half that the size he was that there's that slammiversary kind of tease promo he tweeted out last week i think where he's just hoo, hoo, on the cross trainer I'm like cross trainer's like the least intimidating thing to make you to film yourself working out you, you want to be lifting bench presses and doing really heavy squats the cross trainer might as well be on the step machine <laughs> but it was it, it's obviously working for him because he looks massive yeah so um, I liked that he was wearing a free agent T-shirt as well. Yeah, but you know what, dude? You can be built and jacked as you want. If you ain't tall, that's what's going to hurt you. It's like, you know, when people say, well, Drew came back and he was champion. Jinder came back and he was champion. It's like, yeah, they're both tall. And one of them was for the India expansion. And the other one was a Paul Heyman project. Well, and, and the other one was actually a Vince project from a while ago. <laughs> yes, Drew is yeah. like a successful version of the XFL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they relaunch it 10 years later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, 
and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Funknown, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Funknown's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Immorons. Let's do our $25 a month or more pledge hammer shout outs on Patreon. Thank you, the roller coaster Robert Acosta. Oh, you got the right list. Yeah, today at nine AM, raw shoutouts. Oh, have I got? Oh man, have I picked up the wrong list? Who I'll carry on going. The mayor of Painesville, Dan. I Woo-hoo. have got the wrong list. You Don't have on. a Shane Cowley, man. Yes, yes. it's all Ollie. It's Ryan, all Ollie. Being bad. Yes, come on, the beast, Brock. Taylor. So I've got it. I've got it. Where do we get to? The lunatic, John Moxley's fringe. Thank you. Uh, he can last Sean for longer than you in the ring. Uh-huh. The British Bulldog, Philip Boy J. Smith Jr. Woohoo! Ryan Disco Stewart. Nice. Your best friend, Neon Palette. Thank you, Neon. He's no jackass, Dano. Dano. And lastly, the shield maiden, the Zornice. And I can now start to reveal, once I get all my windows back open, um, so the poll for Wrestle Talk Extra, which is our patron-exclusive podcast where we review a show from wrestling's past, has now closed. And the winning, the winning, the winning show as he stalls to try and make sure he's got all the information at hand. Beating out WCW Bash at the Beach 1996, perhaps the most pivotal pay-per-view in the history of this industry, was beaten out by WCPW (laughs) Built to Destroy from 2016. And yes, folks, I think this probably got nominated because we did say last month that if a WCPW show won, we would do it with Adam because you know he's a bigger draw than you and I combined. Adam is going to be on the show as well, and he's going to share his memories and his stories of that show. So yeah, 
it's uh, it's going to be me, Ollie, and Adam reviewing WCPW Built to Destroy with Adam Blompier sharing his behind-the-scene memories and just his memories of that time and that show and that era, which I'm sure is going to be very fun. Wow. Yeah, that's that's like, it's almost like exclusives. Mm, We're yeah. breaking exclusives. Oh, that'll be really, really interesting. Like, I can't wait to to hear some of those stories because when uh, we told him that it was winning he did go oh no <laughs> i can't i want to hear the stories and i want to see adam squirm with him having to watch back old stuff that he's done because he yeah. hates doing that he does. <laughs> Um, so let's see what you guys think. We've only had one in on the subject of Heath. wonder what Luke's response is going to be. Jobber JJ 496 says, Heath Slater should be WWE champion. Yeah, well, you know, he does love his jobbers, does JJ. So, yeah, that makes sense. A <laughs> uh, Raw-related in general, Colby Dennis says, I'm calling it now. Bailey beats Nikki Cross in the opener of Extreme Rules. Sasha beats Asuka in the main event. All four titles raised at the end. I mean, I am really pulling for uh, for Sasha to win at Extreme at the horror show at Extreme Rules because I'm just in love with this team, and I think them holding all four belts will be so so great. And Asuka, because like the the story they were telling on Raw, that the story the commentary were, were telling around Asuka is that she is proving every single week why she does you know she should be the champion because some people believe that she was just handed the belt. So what better way to tell that story than have the belt taken off of her, particularly if it's through outside interference by Bailey, and now she has got to win that belt back and beat Sasha for the title. Delay that Sasha-Bailey split because this act is so good together. Why split them up at this point? Yeah, and I love it as sort of like Bailey's character mindset. She would want Sasha to get a title just because... She doesn't want her coming for her title. It makes perfect yeah. sense. But it's also also brilliant for Bailey as well because yeah, she doesn't want Sasha coming after her title. But if she becomes Banks two belts, which is currently Bailey's gimmick, there's then some jealousy around Bailey to be like, Yeah, but I'm the only one with the two mm, belts. Mm. And that that's my thing. Yeah. Uh, Taxel says, Drew did actually promise Heath a match on the bump. I think Drew pushed to have Heath return in the, in this way. Oh, well, there you go. We we found the one person that watches the bump. <laughs> I uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if they're, they're obviously quite close. Did you watch that video? I think it was a week after WrestleMania or, or around the time of the releases. And it was Drew and Heath having a phone call with each other. Oh, and, nice. You know, one of them had just won the title. The other had just been released. And it was a bit of, it was, yeah, it was, it was sad, really. Was it Was it not the bump? I can't remember. No, that was that was ages ago. I don't know what the bump is. Uh, and Rich McCann says Heath should be more than just enhancement talent. May uh, I don't know. Like, it, do you know what it, it will? Because Drew always had like star presence and sort of about him. So like when he was fired, it made sense that he went to other companies and was a world champion because he carries himself like a world champion. I I will reserve judgment on Heath going to other places and possibly being in that picture, but I don't currently see it at the moment. But like, I totally bought Drew instantly when he left, going into places like Impact and WCPW and all around the world, and being a champion. 
yeah, we'll have to see what happens with Heath. We're not saying that, you know, he can't be more of an enhancement talent. We're more saying the way he's been booked forever in WWE, it'll be very difficult to shake that stigma. So the actual show, that was the opening segment. Um, and the next segment was Sasha Banks and Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane also returned on this show. Yeah, so Meltzer had reported that she was set to be on this show. But there was some confusion because WWE uh, posted up a graphic to advertise the Championship Monday match between Bailey and Asuka with Banks and Kyrie Sane in their respective corners. And then, like a couple of hours later, just posted up a different tweet with the same graphic, just minus Kyrie Sane. So that added some confusion. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp reported that she was offered an ambassador role over in Japan, which I think tells you everything you need to know about WWE's thoughts on her as an in-ring performer. And then Meltzer saying that she is planning to go back to Japan now that her contract is basically coming to an end. This is something that WWE have known if for a while, hence why I think they were trying to offer the ambassadorship thing, because she, you know, she's going to be in Japan anyway, going back home to be with her husband. So yeah, it makes sense to, to kind of offer her that role. But Meltzer did report she was going to be at this set of tapings. And yeah, she made her return here. Full-fledged baby face now. I think she basically turned face when Asuka did. But now this was like she was 100% the baby face in here. But she's not had like the last six months have not been great for Kyrie Sane. Like the TLC match with Flair and Lynch, where she got really badly concussed in that. And then you fast forward a little bit to, uh, you know, not being on TV, fast forward a little bit. Nia Jax throws her into a turnbuckle. That takes her out for a little bit. Fast forward again. She gets thrown into some steel steps by Nia Jax and that takes her off TV again. It's been a rough, if I'm Kyrie Sane, I'm like, yeah, I'm going home, mate. I think I'm going to go home. I don't want to renew my contract. (laughs) Yeah, it's a... But that, that says to me that her being taken off that graphic wasn't an indicator of sort of real world contract stuff. It was, oh, no, that was meant to be a surprise graphics department that we didn't tell. 100%. Yeah, That's yeah. your fault now, graphics social media team. Yeah, left hand not knowing what the right hand was yeah. doing because they were playing this up as it was a huge surprise because Bailey and Banks came down to talk about how that... Asuka doesn't have anyone in her corner. She doesn't really have a friend. I thought, you know, maybe it'll be EO to play off the the NXT thing that they had done on Wednesday. Mm. But no, she brought out Kyrie Sane. And that led to Kyrie Sane versus Sasha Banks, who had a, a decent little match with Bailey running in for the DQ. Um, which I was, do you know what? Like that DQ finish, I didn't mind because I knew the main event wasn't going to be a DQ. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this was a really nice example of a night episode long storyline here was the opening chapter to it paid off later in the main event it was just this match was a way to give more heat to the main event and that's totally that's totally fine also Kyrie, i know it was it was a not a long match but it was still pretty decent to watch i thought Kyrie's just an incredible baby face and bailey and sort of enhancing banks are really good heels yeah they're such good heels but yeah you're right saying's an incredible talent, really, really great. You know, they've been everyone's been saying that since she joined the company for the May Young Classic. It's it's frustrating that the main roster never really gave her the opportunity to be that good. Hmm. Um, then Alistair Black 
was taken out backstage. He was already sort of lying in this heap of debris. And awesomely, I thought this was a great touch, had a lucha mask put over his face and loads of people attending to him. The camera tracks out a bit. There's Seth Rollins standing there looking at them going, that's a damn shame. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah. And I, I'd lo- I love this idea of, you know, also kind of making voodoo puppets out of people of Ray. Mm, yeah really really nice to set up the the tag match later on because he was supposed to, it was ray was meant to be teaming with alistair black because Korea was taken out last week so it's just seth removing someone from that equation uh we also got a preview for cannonball which is being hosted by not the oh, miz yeah. it's being hosted by mike the miz mizanin because uh, yeah, trying to get into some hosting roles now i mean it's basically takeshi's castle um but and I'm sure the show will be fun, but I kind of get the feeling it's going to be a bit like The Floor is Lava. What on a Netflix. hunk of crap that show is. What, like, what, such a good concept, right? But you know, it's, it's too American. And I cannot abide the way that Americans make some TV shows. And when I saw the previews for this, I was like, oh, what a fun concept that's ruined by American television presenting. Mm. Yeah, just constant, relentless voiceover. So many camera cuts, just ugh, hate it. Yeah. Um, the Viking Raiders were still in their comedy mode. So Big Show, star of the Big Show show, Big Show, came in and said, no, stop being funny. You're serious again. And he just kind of gave them a gentle slap on the chest. It was the promo. <laughs> it was the promo I was expecting Bianca Belair to cut on the Street Profits. Um to kind of make them get serious in their feud with the Viking Raiders. Only Bianca Belair's just not been on TV since mm. WrestleMania. Yeah, at least they kind of exp- like did some character work for why the Raiders cared. So I, I thought this was an effective segment. I uh, think, yeah, I agree. Kevin Owens also came out uh, next on the show, sort of like the third return in as many segments, really. Um, but he had only been off for a few weeks because he didn't want to work during the sort of more pandemic-y stage of WWE's tapings, probably a wise choice, considering Mm -hmm. a reported up to 40 people likely tested positive over the last three-week period. And he gets in, he's doing a Kevin Owens show interview segment, and out comes Seth Rollins as his guest. Yeah, and I thought this was quite a, a solid promo by Rollins as well, because it was bringing up a lot of the things that we've brought up on this show since Mania, which is, yeah, you did beat me at WrestleMania, but uh, you've done nothing since, and you've just been out with your ankle injury. Um, you're a bit rubbish, really. And you know, and I thought it was it was quite nice to tie it into um, you know, sort of turning a storyline out of Owens's absence, but also owens not being around much on tv after wrestlemania while you know rollins lost twice at wrestlemania and went straight into a wwe championship program and it was some good back and forth between them you know ko gave him a present of the ko mania t-shirt off the back of that double win and then seth was like well maybe you want to join my faction Mm-hmm. And I, I never bought that Owens was going to join him, but I, I thought it was a nice little touch there. I think Seth, Seth's character is just gold right now. So any segment he's in is raised by a couple of interest points, whatever those were. But uh, then Rey Mysterio comes out with Dominic. He's meant to face Rey and uh, Black, uh, but Black's been taken out. So KO says, I'll step in. 
I'll be the valiant tag partner, to which Seth laughed brilliantly. Oh, the one-eyed Ray and the one-legged Owens. This is going to be good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it led to a, a decent little tag match between the two, uh, which saw uh, the good guys pick up the win. So, um, so Dominic kind of got involved towards the end, raked the eyes of Murphy because they kept going after Dominic's eyes throughout this. So he raked the eyes and then uh, they put over the, uh, he did the 619 to the eye of Murphy and then pinned him from a splash and Owens threw Seth into the barricade. And Ray challenged him to, um, as Melter had reported, the eye for an eye match uh, at the horror show at Extreme Rules. Yeah. So Ray's going in with a a, a, a significant sort of disadvantage because he's going to be blind if he loses well he's maybe this... going to be able to have one eye maybe this is the way they write him out of wwe <laughs> you don't want to resign we're going to kayfabe blind you and your respect for the business means you have to honor that no matter where you go next uh i thought yep yeah, i'm i'm intrigued i thought the way the commentators did their hush tone serious well i just don't know this is going to be a real horror show at Extreme Rules. They're going to gouge out someone's eye. Was was really hokey yeah, and yeah. didn't work. Um, but let's be honest, the... then the, an eye is not actually going to get gouged out. Alex, like we're not going to get like an oh, eye for the mat. <laughs> uh, do you? What do you? How do you think it's going to be then? The, how how does this gimmick work in your head? Do you think they even know? Do you no. think it's oh, the no. the do you remember the fist fight from yeah, Raw? Yeah, no, absolutely not. They have no <laughs> idea how how this is going to go. Probably not until the actual day itself. It's a it's a tag match. It's would a make more sense. It's all about SEO, mate. It's all about searches. It's about getting buzz and getting people talking. It's not about thinking. It's not about mm. planning. Um. So yeah, I whatever happens, whatever the stipulation is, get in your suggestions in the comments. We'll we'll try and go through a, a few of the good ones. Uh, I want Seth to lose, so Seth then has to wear an eye patch. <laughs> because I think, what is? How could you make Seth look better? Turn him into Solid Snake, essentially. Your downside there is that he's taken out Carrillo and Black. Oh, actually, no. Maybe this is actually going to back your point up because he's taken out Carrillo and Black, who you would assume will come back at the horror show at Extreme Rules to help Ray. Owens will probably help Ray as well, which will then likely lead to that Seth loss. Maybe. I just maybe. want to see the guy in an eye patch. Um, the Yeah, Austin Theory missing again. So mm -hmm. I guess we can speculate our own reasons there to, to why... He, he might have been taken off. There's there's quite a few missing people at the moment during the pandemic. And the the segment after that was MVP and Bobby Lashley talking to Charlie Caruso in what is actually my favorite act in all of WWE right now. Even I, above Bailey and Banks, actually. Yeah, I think I'm gonna be more of a Bailey Banks stan, but I love this partnership. Like, you know, it was, it's written like on paper for you right there, really, isn't it? You've taken a really successful thing from Impact and you just put it into WWE. That just, it totally makes sense. And I, yeah, I, I just, I love them together. I think they're so good. I think MVP has been on fire for the last few weeks. And I've seen some people complain that, oh, really, it sh surely it should be um, Bobby Lashley going for the US title, not MVP. But I think the fact that it's MVP almost makes it better. Yeah, I agree. And th that they've got this neat, great new name, the CEOs 
of the hurt business. <laughs> the, hurt, the hurt business. The hurt business. Isn't that that's such a cool name? Yeah, it really is. I I think they are a, a wicked, wicked little act. And they came out here to unveil the new US title because MVP said, Well, I pinned the champion last week. So technically, that does make me the United States Championship, which like which means I should be the one to unveil the new title design. Now, I did see at the start of this when we were talking about Heath Slater, a few people being like, guys, we just want to hear you talk about the the new US title. Mm. So maybe that should have been our lead. What do you make of the new US title design? Sorry if I look distracted. Um, I went to clear up our office last mm-hmm. week because yes. there was an ant infestation and we rescued Thanks, a few Andy. plants. We rescued a few plants. And now there's loads of ants on my desk. Oh, no. <laughs> I literally just watched three ants in single file walk across my desk and i look down and there's two more ants there deal with that quickly after this (laughs) so my thoughts on the united states championship i quite like it it's you know in terms of modern day wwe belts and actually AEW belts as well it's not like i wouldn't have come up with that um but i don't hate it it's got a kind of art deco style design that I quite like. And it just, I'm glad it doesn't have the huge WWE logo like everything else does. I quite like the old United States title design, but this this is fine. I think this is perfectly fine. I was going to say, I might be, I'm glad you said that because I felt like I was the only person in the world that still liked the old, like the US title design. I didn't think it needed to be updated. I always thought it was a really quite nice belt. Um, I don't, I don't hate this belt either. I don't really have, I, I don't like the fact that it's got champion in massive letters. Mm. I think that makes it look quite toyetic. But then again, that's what WWE like. They like belts that look like toys. And it does look like a toy. So in that respect, they've they've hit a home run because they've made a belt that looks like something you can sell action figures with. So, you know, thumbs up for that. It's not my favorite. But I will say it's miles better than the IC title belt, which is mm. such a rubbish design. It's not like awful. But it's just like, <clears throat> rubbish. It's just dead boring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I think it's a, a fairly nice-ish design. I don't, I don't hate it, but I don't really like it either. Yeah, I, I would say overall, I, I veer towards liking it. Um, but you can't just have middle of the road opinions these days. <laughs> it's the best title ever, Luke. or the worst title ever. Or the worst title. Well, you would say that. <laughs> Um, so after this, they they sort of did a fake crowning ceremony of MVP. It was weird that Apollo Crews wasn't there at all. Um, yeah, because then you had Cedric and Ricochet come out to be the avatars of mm. um, Cedric uh, of um, uh, Apollo Crews to be like, well, my mate uh, Apollo is going to beat up your mate uh, at the horror show at Extreme Rules for that new title because my mate's great. Yeah, it just it made Apollo look a bit weak. By his absence here. Uh, but it led to a impromptu tag team match. So impromptu that MVP wrestled in his suit and he looked badass. I, Take notes, Baron Corbin. I loved this. So cool. The amount of times I've said on this show, Charlotte Flair comes out in her gear. So I guess she's going to have a match then. 
or like you know randy does it as well yeah he came out and so i wasn't expecting him to have a match and then he had a match that's good that makes it feel like it's a real impromptu thing as opposed to someone coming out head to toe in gear and knee pads being like well i'm coming out here for a promo i sure hope <laughs> no one challenges me to a match but if they do um Yes, but I, you know, I thought this was great. MVP wrestling in a suit. He looked so annoyed about it as well mm. that he had to beat up these two geeks in his suit, and he did beat up these two geeks in his suit. Um, and uh, Lashley got the win. Uh, he sort of blind tagged himself in. <laughs> the weird thing about this was, you said they had a fake uh, award, like ceremony for MVP as the new United States champion, like holding this belt. And you're right, it was a fake ceremony because he's not the champion. But yet when the referee counted the three, he went out the rink, grabbed the title and handed it to MVP. I'm like, mate, he's not the champion. What are you handing him the belt for? He's been worked. To be fair, though, if Bobby Lashley and MVP are the guys in the ring, I'm doing whatever they want. Yeah. Because they're legit scary. They're the CEOs of the Hurt Business. I would agree with you. But he did it of his own accord. Um, the so Lashley won with the spear on Cedric Alexander and then just full Nelson Cedric Alexander and Ricochet kind of made the save and they ran away important for later because mm. this storyline did not end here and, and arguably got better yeah. um, so the this next sort of chunk of story is good because I'm surprisingly into Big Show versus Randy Orton and just everything Randy Orton does right now, similar to Seth's character and Drew's, to be fair, everything his character involved is involved in is instantly better. But it's coming at the expense, needlessly, of the whole tag division. Yeah, this feud was all built around Big Show versus Randy. And even though the tag champs and their challengers were in this match, they were cannon fodder absolute cannon fodder to the actual big stars of the match did you just say the tag champs are in this match no they weren't you're absolutely <laughs> right no they weren't who are the tag champs street profits. street profits yeah you're right the street profits are the tag champs but the number one contenders mm. um, i mean there are only three teams on raw like it, i had a i had a one in three chance of getting it right yeah so rick flair and randy was really interesting here he was kind of telling angel garza and andrade to play together or else after their rubbish infighting last week and shortly into the match orton shoves garza up against the plexiglass crowd area in like a way that i was worried for for garza up it until was... that moment i've always thought angel garza will always be a heel He'll never turn babyface. The way he sold that, I was like, that's a baby. That is a babyface. It was so badass. I loved this so much. Because, yeah, like, so Andrade gets a move hit on him, and one of the Raiders was trying to pin him. So Gaza gets in and breaks up that pin and starts shouting on Andrade for getting beaten up. And Randy Orton just says, You come here now. And, like, Gaza sort of follows him outside, grabs him, shoves his face up against the plexiglass to berate him, throws him around, pushes him up against the the, the corner turnbuckle to, to shout at him again. It was so good. This was, you know, Randy said in that promo, if you guys don't get in line, I will introduce you to the legend killer, which I think is a, it's a way, way better line than, than to the three most destructive letters in all of WWE, which is such a clunky catchphrase. It's great to be like, I'm going to introduce you to the legend killer. And I totally bought Randy Orton in this role as this seasoned vet who's sick of these young upstarts who are just bickering and infighting. I want to win 
and you guys are going to screw this up and I'm not going to let you screw it up. I thought it was so great. Absolutely loved it. Well, I lo- I loved Randy Orton's performance. The, the, yes. the, the actual segment, the match, eh, I couldn't get into it because I just, I, I think they're really undermining this tag division that they were kind of building up, unfortunately. And, and Garza and Andrade are just, just fodder, really, for for bigger storylines. And there was a, a few shenanigans. Eric was worked over for the majority of the match. Big Show was distracted. Randy hit an RKO on Eric to win. Eric had just announced that him and Sarah Logan are expecting a baby yeah. earlier that day. Which is great news. Really, really terrific, bloody great news. Very, very happy about that. Excellent news. You're taking the pin. Uh, so then Ruby Riot trash-taught the Iconics backstage, and then she walked off, uh, and she walked past Cedric Alexander, and then they started talking. Last week, I said this worked really well when they did something similar when they walked past Seth and Buddy Murphy. And it was like, now we're going to listen to these two guys. But this time, it just seemed like there is my cue. And it was yeah. it was so clunky. You could almost hear the director going and action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it was they were just, what were they doing beforehand? They were just standing there. These two guys were just standing there, who in theory hate each other. Yeah, who in but this was hate each other. Yeah, this was the, uh, the 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 following on part of what we alluded to earlier, where MVP following the tag victory over them starts to talk to Cedric Alexander and sow these seeds of dissension in the tag team of Alexander and Ricochet. You know, that long-running, well-established tag team. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're They're best mates. And MVP had this incredible line where he said, me and Bobby Lashley, we're in the hurt business. But you, you're in the catering business because you'll always be watching Ricochet get these sort of plaudits from WWE mentioned the the documentary that had just been released about Ricochet as well. Yeah, the 365 documentary that a lot of people were, you know, quite rightly making fun of. It was like, Ricochet's had an incredible year. I was like, <laughs> hmm, has he? Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was wonderful stuff from MVP. Continues to be great. And yeah, I think you're right. Like, it, Cedric and Ricochet splitting up as a tag team means absolutely diddly dick. But I think I'd rather see them split up as a tag team and go off into actual singles runs. And if mm. Cedric turns heel off the back of this, I think that I'd actually much rather see Cedric turn heel on Ricochet than... Apollo Crews turn heel and join the group. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I'm really excited about this. I hope they go that route because Alexander's fantastic. Wouldn't it be just the sweetest irony, or not sweetest, but just weirdest irony, if Cedric Alexander gets more of a push under Pritchard than he ever did under Heyman? Yeah, yeah, right. And you know, that like like I keep saying, sometimes you've got to know how to work within the confines of your boss. Like if Heyman's yeah. there, like put Cedric Alexander in the main event. He's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's, it's quite well told how Pe- Paul Heyman would annoy Vince so much because he just kept, he's so passionate about these ideas that Vince would turn against them. Whereas Richard might go, okay, this guy's really talented. I'm going to package him here and then I'll move him over here. And yep. Vince doesn't even know what's happening. I think it's, it's also a case of telling a story. Mm. You know, you can go to Vince and be like, I'm going to tell this story with this guy and it's going to go bang, 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 bang. And we're going to end up with him being here. And things be like, oh, cool. I get that. I understand what a story is. As opposed to, as you say, someone being like, I want to push this talent and just annoy him off the back of it. You present him sort of the longer story and you don't sneeze while doing it. 
so after that, we got Flair talking up Randy backstage. Rick Flair, that is. Uh, and our truth ran in, sort of thought Rick Flair was a ninja in disguise. And then he walked off. And then Akira Tozawa and his gang of ninjas walked up and Orson pointed them in the wrong direction. Hmm. I wanted everything interconnected, Luke. <laughs> but at what cost? But at what cost? Uh, after that, we got Ruby Riot versus Billy Kay off the back of Peyton Royce versus Ruby Riot last week, where Royce pretty much squashed Riot. Uh, Riot looked a bit more passionate here, but Billy Kay squashed her ultimately again. Yeah, and but you know what? Like I, I sort of made the point last week about the the Peyton Royce loss that it's her. You know, she hasn't won a match since February the year previous or whatever. She's zero twelve since her return now. But at least these final two losses have actually meant something. You know, mm. she's taken these two losses here to build up the the Riot Squad reunion that everyone's clamoring for uh, at, at this point. But you know, I you know, I I don't mind because at least it's a story for them. We said this last week. I'm glad they're in a story. Yeah. I agree. Um, then we get Banks accepting the tag match challenge from Asuka and Kyrie Sane the next week on Bailey's behalf. Yeah, we which didn't Bailey actually... was a bit like, oh. We didn't talk about that um, that interview <laughs> segment that they did where, yes, she they requested a tag match through the medium of recorder. It was <laughs> like, how Kyrie Sane's not on TV every single week just playing the recorder? I'll never know. Um, but yeah, I, I liked bailey selling of banks accepting the challenge on her behalf and then banks being like well come on like we are going to beat them mm. and and that's and that's fine we'll always beat them but he's like yeah okay yeah yeah i suppose we will beat them i thought it was, yeah. was really great and that led into what i thought was a terrific main event of this show absolutely loved 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 this main event so, you know, when we did the bit about Drew and Heath Slater, and I said, it's a, kind of a flawless segment. It had emotion, had character, had action. The only problem is it's building to a match I don't want to see, which is Drew versus Dolph. This main event had action, had character, had drama, had multiple storylines, all interesting, being told at the same time, interweaving perfectly, along with some fantastic edge of your seat finishing sequence stuff here and it's building to a match i really want to see it's, this was brilliant it's building to three matches i want to see like it's building to bailey versus nikki that i now really want to see which i wasn't actually that into previously it's making me want to see asuka versus sasha more than anything and it's making me want to see the tag match next week so massive thumbs up and the, what i really really like about this is how it just doesn't feel forced anymore. Nope. How we are at a point now in WWE where women can just main event shows and they can main event pay-per-views and we're not here going, oh, wow, the women got the main event. It's like that is, that's that's real progress. We can talk about the women's evolution stuff and, and the triple threat at WrestleMania last year and how sort of PR heavy or misfiring as they were. This This is like... The, the 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 real big achievements are the stuff that don't really get them written down in in history books. This this mm. is the moment really when I think WWE have finally delivered on their women's equality promise. Absolutely, and oh, it, I thought every single person in this segment was 
just perfect. I thought Asker and Bailey had a kick-ass match that I thought that had some really good drama and really good action within there. <clears throat> I thought Sasha Banks on the outside was amazing for for Bailey. I thought Kyrie Sane on the outside was amazing for Asker. And Nikki Cross in her sort of brief moments she had on commentary was phenomenal. And then when she showed up for the finish as well, because Nikki Cross is on commentary, SmackDown's Nikki Cross. And you've got these two security guards being like, you you can't be here. The wild card's not a thing anymore. It was a one week push that that rule was given. You can't be here. But Samoa Joe's being like, no, no, she's okay. And Nikki's going like, tell him I'm going to be okay, Joe. Tell him mm. I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to interfere. I'm absolutely fine. Joe's like, yeah, no, she's absolutely fine. Just let her be. And Nikki Cross is like, I'm absolutely fine. I'm not going to get worked up at all. As <laughs> soon as Bailey's music hits, she got so heated to be like, where is she? Where is that little? And she wanted to get up and attack her and asking Joe to hold her back. I thought she was so, so great. Yeah, she was so great. Like everyone was, everyone was. And and the booking for that final sequence was just incredible. It's, you know, there was interference. There was, there was back and forth kickouts. There was a rolling around Asker lock. It was so good. And before that was a hella stiff elbow from Asker. That back fist. Holy heckins. Clocked her right in the face. I thought that she was coming up. I thought she came up busted open because they they were seemingly trying to hide her face like it with camera tricks. And I was like, oh dear, she really busted her open. No, she was just fine. But it yeah. just like, yeah, she clocked her something fierce. Oh, I think she may be fine in the moment, but I cannot imagine that kind of strike being okay this morning. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, even Asuka, who is always very good at staying in character, I did feel like she was like. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I just punched you right in the face. And another, I think another sign of of like how far the the women's wrestling has come. Well, not not women's wrestling has come, but sort of the audience's acceptance of women's wrestling as a proper thing in WWE is. I have not read one person saying that Asuka botched or like the women don't know how to work here. It was nope. sort of treated in the same way as a really cool men's match, which is worked a bit stiff and the odd strike goes in hard there. No one ever says, oh, these guys don't know how to work. They're yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's another level of realism. Which I, There was the gift that went round from the main event match between Murphy and Austin Theory versus Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, where Murphy just clocks Cedric right in the face with a big knee. I think it was Cedric. Um, but yeah, and like everyone was in there being like, whoa, how badass is that? And you know what? Like this was just a punch that really connected. That's that's all it was. There was no foul play at hand. There was no maliciousness. There was no sloppiness in it. It was just a punch that connected, but it looked really cool. I know for a fact, because I asked someone, a wrestler friend of mine, how do you take the back spinning fist? Because, you know, AJ does it a lot as well. He used mm. to do it a lot more. And he, he had wrestled AJ. And I said, how do you take it? And he said, some things you just take. Because there's no way for the person doing it to look behind you. Like, yeah. that you just have to kind of trust. And it's all, you, nine times out of ten, you're going to connect it pretty hard. So, yeah, really good stuff. Fantastic segment. And it ended with... Um, I can't even remember how it ended now. So I mean, it was quite pinned a... for the win. Yeah. So Nikki Cross uh, appears like because she gets carted out like before the first advert. This went through two ad breaks. 
just before the first ad break, Nikki Cross gets carted out by the security because Bailey was inciting her and they nearly got into a scuffle. And so at the finish, Nikki Cross just appears in the crowd, banging on the plexiglass, which distracts Bailey. And Ascalop brings her in for the Ascalop. Bailey rolls that through for a near fall back to the Ascalop. And Sasha Banks jumps in to get the interference DQ, just as Bailey had done for her at the start of the night. But Sane jumps in and gives her the, like, you know, the interceptor. She actually intercepted the move. And Asuka rolls up Bailey for the one, two, three. I thought it was such a great finish to pay off the finish that you'd done earlier in the night to cap off what was a great match. Loved it. And the previous week as well, where mm. Sasha pinned Asuka, I believe. She did. So, yeah, a really, really good demonstration of 50-50 booking. Sometimes it does work. It's not It's not always bad. Uh, I, I said in my review earlier in the, in the WrestleTalk News that this is what I wanted last april it's a shame that becky and charlotte aren't here because i think having if if wwe booked them better to also have really strong opponents in sasha in bailey in Kyrie, in asuka in nikki cross in ruby riot then like that's that's the division right that's the division we wanted after ronda left but they didn't they went with Becky and Charlotte again. They went with Lacey Evans and all of these excellently talented people. They just, they didn't use. Sasha was, you know, just gone for for a good part of the year after WrestleMania. The Kabuki Warriors were formed and just thrown together. So this is, it's a shame that Flair and Lynch aren't here to be in the mix. But I think they needed to go for this to happen. Yeah, absolutely. You, you They built this division around three people. They spent the last two years building the women's division around three people, around Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte. And now all of those three are gone. So they're looking at what's left of me like, oh, smeg, we didn't build up any other stars. Now we've got to build up everyone at the exact same time. And that's, you know, we've always said WWE tend to do their best stuff when their backs are against the wall. And their backs were massively against the wall when they lost Ronda, Becky, and Mm. Charlotte. And it's forced them to make really, really good decisions and great stuff. This was a segment that featured five people and they all felt like bigger stars coming off the back of it. That's a huge success. And as I said, it's made me want to see three matches, one of which is next week, two of which are at the pay-per-view. So can't, like, what a home run segment. Brilliant stuff. Overall, I gave this four out of five. I thought it was a very enjoyable episode of Raw. Absolutely. I would also give this four out of five, but what do I know? I hate everything WWE do, apparently. <laughs> uh, so let's get in with your su- 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 super chat. Black Adam says, I don't get Nikki Cross. She doesn't wrestle. I can't understand her promos, and her character makes me wince. It felt like she never left her emo raw phase. I mean, appreciate the the super chat. appreciate the opinion. I very much don't agree with it. I think she's great. Yeah, I disagree too. Uh, Azo Smith, Asker's back fist. Jesus ever-loving Christ! It was quite stiff. Faldo Vega. Too bad. It went unnoticed because he said it under his breath. But Byron said, arguing versus MVP, he must have ordered months before Apollo won it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I guess the belt was designed 
mm. way before MVP was ever in a program with Byron. Uh, sorry, Apollo. Michael Dominguez, what happened to the Wrestle Talk bunny, the WT bunny? Did someone get one? Didn't someone get one? The Wrestle Talk bunny? The I WT bunny? I don't know. I don't think we've ever done a bunny gimmick. Have we ever done a bunny gimmick? We did, like, Ali's done a bunny gimmick. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, Michael, I'm afraid. Uh, Zachary Jenkins, could 3MB be a powerhouse in the future? No. Maybe as a one-off little cameo bit where they all walk into shot at a future pay-per-view years down the line and they look at each other and go, oh, but that's that's the most, I think. Yeah. K Amal, maybe they could gouge out the eye in a cinematic match in an environment that looks like the movie Saw. <gasps> it would explain <laughs> the horror show tagline. Yeah, but again, you've still got to have a wrestler there who doesn't have an eye anymore. Like, you can't just put an eye back in. There was a smaller eye underneath the main <laughs> eye. Thank God. <laughs> Rich McCann, I think the eye for an eye match will take a more biblical interpretation, which is punishment fits the crime. So Ray's crime of not retiring is punished by retiring. No, no, no. no the crime here was Seth taking out Ray's eye. It's, a, pretty, it's not, it's not an interpretation. Sure I'm pretty sure Rich knew that, but yes. Uh, House of Fjord. Lashley versus the man whose finisher. He stole Chris Masters. Um, I mean, I know there's going to be some 2006 stands up in the, the comments, but like, I don't think we need to be rekindling some of the, uh, the real dark eras of, of WWE's history where no one was over. Um, House of Fjord again. Future legend, legend killer versus Fiend Feud. Oh, I could do, yeah. Randy versus Fiend would be a lot of fun. Well, there's a lot of history there. He he arguably is one of the characters who wronged the original Bray Wyatt. Uh, Azo Smith. This is the main event, right? Like, it has to be. I'm assuming that is referring to uh, Asuka, uh, Sasha Banks. I certainly hope so. Yeah, same. WWE-related House of Fury again says, the US title looks like the USA title from Legends of Wrestling. Mm. Uh, the video game uh, Wilson Simon says Ricochet faced Andrade on main event about three weeks ago I think this is a disgrace oh, I agree I agree yeah. God, I mean that used to be that was a raw program for a little bit mm. wasn't it and Ricochet and Andrade uh, Valder Vega um, dirt sheets can't spoil I versus I if no one knows ah that's in reference to them not knowing what the match is it's, you know can't spoil it if no one knows what we're doing um, not Michael even Dominic themselves exactly um Dennis Ruth says, hey, you skipped my super chat. Sorry, I just saw that come up. We They are in a certain order, so maybe we haven't got to it yet, uh, Dennis. Um, yeah, Michael yours Dominguez is coming up. Okay, there we go. Michael Dominguez says, my test took uh, took two days to get results. How do AEW test so fast? Um, I don't know, actually, but uh, I imagine us normal Joe Public folk don't have access to the quicker private versions of tests. Okay. Uh, Brad Bowers says, Blue Lives Matter. Michael Dominguez, uh, Luke, don't you think the Fighter Fest was short term? Mox had three weeks. Cody Jack had so much time with as Drew Zig. I like WWE and AEW, but stories suffer without fans somehow. Um, well, the Fighter Fest was the long term plan. Like, that's what they had, like, coming out of Double or Nothing, they were building two Fighter Fests as the, as the next step, in the same way that the next pay per view is already being built to in the next stage like they know what the next steps are there's a difference between having a three-week program that you've planned out and having a three-week program that you're booking minute by minute 
that's really that short term. Although I think the Cody Hager comparison to Drew Ziggler is, you know, in terms of like interest levels, is is quite an apt one. Oh no, I totally agree. Yeah. But like Cody will have picked Jake to be like that's going to be the person I face at Fighter Fest. Whether or not yeah. that's the right call is a, is a different question because the answer is that's the wrong choice. <laughs> um, Matthew Shield, as a way to support each other, you should message someone hoping their day is going well. Absolutely. Uh, could not agree more. Jake Hager is rock hard saying watching Raw is like loving a beautiful girl. I can't. Uh, <laughs> JJ says, okay, Luke, what about Heath Slater as Impact Champion? Even then. It would be I, cool. I just, I, yeah, it's, and he's got, unless he has a, an amazing career resurgence, he still needs like a year of doing that sort of stuff before he gets given a top title. It would be a real bad move for Impact to bring that guy in and just be like, I'm going to put the title on you. Like, I think it works for EC3 because EC3's got that history with Impact. But yeah, he's, you don't want to bring him in and be like, you're now our main event guy. Here's the belt. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Ro Dennis Ruth, here we go. Uh, is the baby of Sarah Logan and Eric Rowan the result of the Viking sex experience? Uh... Congratulations on the 100K subs for Parts 59. Thanks very much. Thank you. Um, Rich McCann, on a wrestling note, or a non-wrestling note, I know you guys like board games. Have you ever tried playing Disney, uh, Disney's Villainous? It's Wonderful has three expansion packs and a Marvel version coming soon. Yes, I have, Rich, and I could talk about it all day bloody long, mate. <laughs> it's so, so good. What a great, great game. Do you know what's great about it as well? It works so well in two-player, and a lot of these games... A lot of tabletop games work best when you've got three to four people playing it. Many of them suffer. They, they advertise themselves as two to four players, but suffer when you do them in a two-player format. But yeah, Villainous works so well with two people. Highly recommended. And the new expansion pack that's just come out has got um, Pete from Steamboat Willie as one of the villains in there. And all the cards are in black and white. And his piece oh. looks like it's in black and white. Oh, it looks so pretty. I want it. We should start a tabletop board game channel. Oh, who's got the time to do that? Um, Malloy the Bear underscore 12. Uh, Quizzlemania related. Ollie, in your best Vince voice, your new catchphrase should be, that's gotta be Manta. That's gotta be Manta. Uh, another catchphrase, instead of it should have been Pentagon, try it should have been Manta or it should have been John Gonzalez. I appreciate your jokes, Malloy, but this is still very recent and raw for me. <laughs> STR says, can you rank the four horsewomen in terms of importance to the business? Ooh, that's in why I think Becky would be top and then Charlotte. And Charlotte, yeah. And I then... actually think there's an argument to be made between Charlotte going above Becky, in all honesty. Mm. I think there really is an argument to be made there. Then probably Banks, then Bailey. Mm. Yeah. I'd say. Because Banks brought in Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're we're taking a very literal interpretation of business there in that mm. stuff that directly made money. Um, donations with no message. Thank you, John, and some last minute super chats. Rich McCann, I was looking at Seth's POV as he will win. Uh, what are you referring to? What was your McCann also said? I think it was the the eye for an eye prediction. It should just be more of a. Oh, yeah, biblical interpretation. Oh, I see what you mean, yes. Uh, and Calculon, support black lives, support trans lives, support wrestle talk, support each other. Love from Philly. Love Absolutely. from London, Calculon. Well, 
What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! Now. <laughs> what you just heard was a clip from the... A movie I've never seen. But I have, <laughs> I have watched that particular scene or uh, dialogue exchange easily in the hundreds of times. Yeah. Easily. Oh, yeah. It's Pierce Brosnan as well. If you were trying to work out like, oh, I don't know what that film is or what that particular scene of dialogue is, but I do recognize that voice. Yes, it's Pierce Brosnan. So very early in his career, uh, it was a movie called Taffin. Um, and he it sort of found viral fame the <laughs> 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 um, Adam and Joe podcast, uh, which which isn't really in existence anymore, but. Uh, what would as a hugely influential podcast on certainly the way we make our stuff? They uh, Adam Buxton found this clip very funny, uh, just on the escalation of <laughs> delivery from Pierce Brosnan just starting at a normal dialogue exchange and then thinking, boom, now to bring it to 11. Yes, with well, maybe you shouldn't be living here. And it became a bit of a running joke on on that show. And I was just reminded of it when I was doing the Friday Q, uh, fan Q&A community show on Facebook with Adam and Laurie. It was something that Adam said about Bronson. I think everyone was talking about Eurovision. I was like, oh, the greatest Pierce Brosnan performance is in Tappin. So I quickly, like, while everyone was kind of just chatting away, I was in the background <laughs> downloading it off of YouTube, putting it into StreamYard just so I could uh, have that one moment. It's so good. Yeah, me and my my group of friends, uh, when we were talking about Eurovision, we we did also bring up Taffin <laughs> and the mighty. You should, what What is it? If you listen to that clip and watch that clip enough, which I have, that isn't even the most interesting part after the, a while. It's his first line gets cut off before the What's end. What's that all about? This look, is look. A, this is a Hollywood edited high, you know, not high production, but mid level drama release. Here it is again. What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I. Like, that's where it gets cut off. Like what business? Business. <laughs> Maybe we should take the baton from the Adam and Joe podcast <laughs> and not focus on the over-the-top here, but the business. <laughs> maybe, maybe, Luke, we are now CEOs of the Hurt Business. <laughs> of the Her Business. The um, Hurt Business. Yeah, like, or the Here Business. The Here yeah, Business. MVP and Bobby Lashley. Not, oh, I'm you're... Not... I'm taking the here from the Taffin clip and replacing Hurt from MVP Bobby Lashley. You've you've gone one step beyond me, and I, yeah. and I like it. I like this. the The more abstract we can make the final joke, <laughs> where it now needs to be so far removed from the original meme, the better. Yeah. And if you've got any funny clips that you would like to hear us play on this show, please do email them in support at wrestletalk.com. Um, make them short. You know, short, funny clips are good. Well, I I'm always a big fan of the James McAvoy delivery in <laughs> X-Men. <laughs> what do you want to do? What was it? What I don't know what the... to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> a film I haven't seen. Oh, it's so I... bad. <laughs> 
I have seen like every superhero movie because I love them. I love yeah. them. Like I've seen pretty much every sci-fi movie, although well, I thought I had, and then Netflix was like, look at all this crap that was never released <laughs> in cinemas. I'm like, oh <laughs> no, I can't I can't watch any of those. But the uh yeah, X-Men Dark Phoenix yeah. was so bad. Oh, or like or just it was such a fart of a movie that I haven't seen it. It's I, I watched on the plane going to Japan, I think it was. It's it's remarkable in how little everyone's trying, how there's just no effort, and it's still it's really bad. Hilariously so in some respects. The scene with um Jean Grey and Magneto fighting over a helicopter using their powers is quite funny oh you see i wish i could my my ability to watch this kind of stuff has drastically reduced in lockdown <laughs> because sort of all things that go on the tv because both of us are in the flat now all the time kind of has to satisfy both of us and in some way in satisfying both of us neither of us are satisfied have you watched it's halfway yet? happy no, no, no. I would happily watch Dave, but Dave was given the kibosh. We've got to watch Peep Show again, which admittedly is brilliant, and we've nearly finished that. Maybe I'll. it's my turn next to choose the show. The mistake my partner keeps making is that she keeps picking uh, UK comedy series. Short. Whereas if you pick a US one, you know, there, there are like five times the amount of episodes. Uh, for for those of you who might not be aware of this, the average UK sitcom has six episodes per series, whereas your US ones, 22, 24. That's series versus seasons. Yeah, exactly. You go for full-on seasons, Game of Thrones style, when the seasons last for years. But Davis, really, I mean, the other thing I need to, to bring up on this is uh, I, I feel like this should be a bit of a PSA uh, mm. for you because TV has been saved again. Regular TV has been saved again because Celebrity MasterChef is on TV. It's on BBC One, thankfully. But here it is because I, I hear you sighing because you can't watch it at the moment. Uh, and the reason why you're going to be sighing is, do you know who's on the show? Do you know who's on Celebrity MasterChef? I am aware that the nicest man to have ever lived Gosh. the guy who died on his sword in the boardroom on the apprentice someone who sacrificed his position there to go in place of someone he didn't think should be fired ah oh, my hero and yours i can't remember his name thomas Bosch. thomas but <laughs> at the end of the day the making banging food yeah, he's on the Celebrity MasterChef and is just as wonderful as you'd think it would be. The other PSA with this as well, and you know, this is really going to change the way that you're watching TV. Uh, the 2016 season of Celebrity of, of MasterChef is on Netflix. So you can binge it. And guess what? We have. We've seen that series. It's got my friend in it. And we have been watching it, and it's just as great as I remember. That's uh, I've never heard of someone sane rewatching a reality series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that it's... the is that the first one you've ever rewatched? First one I've ever rewatched. Like we are, yeah, currently binge watching MasterChef from 2016. And do you know what? The 2017 series is on there as well. So we'll probably end up watching that when it's all said and done. I think that encapsulates lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think this might be the, you know, the, the microcosm story version. 
the whole event wrapped up in an anecdote, how it's really affecting the British middle class. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, we've got to watch MasterChef because, you know, we love it and it is the greatest reality show ever. And I love watching people cook. But it's also a way for us to break up our Instagram inspo that we're currently also scrolling mm. through. I was telling you about this this morning. It's my new favorite thing, Japandi. Oh, what a Before, beautiful, what a beautiful style it is. I've I've checked out Japandi, everyone. I can concur that is the style. All styles, all other styles can stop now because they seem gaudy by comparison to Japandi. Scandi still gets a free pass but only with the idea that it eventually evolves into its final form of Japandi. Yes. Uh, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to backtrack a bit there, Luke. Mm -hmm. You said the word inspo. Yes, now, now please explain to me why I shouldn't now think you're a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I just thought that's what it's called. Was that, I, is that, is that the hashtag? I've no idea. I just, I've, I've, I have got Instagram for my podcast. And I've been using it. So now, actually, this podcast that's very much about video games and video games from the 90s in particular has got uh, in our feed the Japandi hashtag saved and searchable so that I can just constantly get uh, inspiration, if you will, um, about sort of the style that I now really, really like. I'm going to show you one of the photos that I absolutely I saved it last night because I loved it so much. Um, hold on one second. Also explain to me why, why it isn't cultural appropriation. Why are some things cultural appropriation, but other things aren't? I don't know, but look at this. Damn, that's clean. That is neat. Oh, that is minimalist. With so also nice. stuff. Yeah, right? Look at this. Look at this bedroom. Look at this bedroom. Yeah, I like the lines. I like the colour scheme. Yeah. I like is that a is that an almost like silhouette of a tree painted on the, the wall as wallpaper? That's exactly what it is. Oh, Oh, Japandi. Oh, new new potential uh podcast segment idea. Mm -hmm. People send in other Portman two ideas. <laughs> yeah. Well like how Luke can decorate his house. <laughs> styles combined. A styles clash. Oh my god, there's a wrestling name for it. This is perfect. Yes, got it. We've been looking for new segments. So yeah. <laughs> Send us in your bad performances from movies that I can have as short clips to, to play on here. And also your styles clashes that are actually pretty, pretty great. Where shall uh, I send those to, Luke? You can send those to support at WrestleTalk.com. It's an easy way to remember it because you hear it at the start of this podcast, really. Support at WrestleTalk.com. That's uh, how you can send emails across to us. Um, let's see, we've got anything. Oh, uh, this email came in from Mickey TJ Sharp, who just quite simply says, Lucas ruined Kermit for me. I still love you. Goodbye. Oh, my so. God. I can't unhear it. And now I've turned into the guy who leads most conversations with that. Because, you know, we now that pubs are open in the UK, we went for a few drinks over the weekend with various people. How did you get to a pub? I went to a brewery. Same thing, really. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> And sort of my opening bit after five minutes of how's lockdown been for you? It is. So have you seen Kermit's? Have you heard <laughs> Kermit's new voice? And they're like, no, I have not. I'm, I don't really follow the Muppets. I'm like, well, let me tell you. OK, here's the YouTube clip on my phone. Doesn't it sound weird? 
Did you then go into a bit of history uh, that you've since learned from doing this great podcast? No, no, because I usually, if I try and regurgitate anything you said, I do it incorrectly. And then I, I just hate myself for the rest of the day. <laughs> like, I've, because I've like, I, I work myself into a little corner where I can't then start saying, oh, actually, I'm not 100% that bit is is correct. An 80% uh, fact. It's an 80%, 80% all over people. Yeah. Well, uh, I, maybe we should bring this show to a close. Oh, actually, no, before we do, uh, this email came in from Adam, who said, sorry to bother you, but I know you're up on your Sonic knowledge. And I was hoping you might be able to help me out. At school, there used to be a mobile library a few times a year, and I loved it. Anyway, they had Sonic comics and graphic novels. I'm thinking novels, but not sure. I'm very vague on it, unfortunately. The Sonic printed matter seems to be under many banners, like Archie Comics, Sonic the Comic, etc. What do you think would have been sold in a mobile library at the time version wise this would have been in the 90s when i was in infant school maybe 92 93 i'd have been five or six maybe i was born in 87 not really sure why i'm asking hope i'm not bothering you with this <laughs> thanks luke adam well adam i can tell you those are the sonic the comic books i've actually got the complete set up <laughs> on my shelf they were published by virgin books so you've got sonic in the fourth dimension uh sonic in dr robotnik's laboratory i believe uh some of the other ones there's four of them and they're all very very of their time and if you want to hear us do a choose your own adventure book version of one of those it's in i think the first lockdown a rest talk after talk that we did me you and laurie where you two hated me for the last half an hour of that show because you really got bored of playing the game that half an hour of you leading us through that book felt longer than all of lockdown so far <laughs> What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! Business. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm going to slip, because we haven't recorded the main bulk of the podcast yet. I'm going to slip in a business. <laughs> when we're talking about MVP and Bobby Lashley, I'm just going to make a business. And people are going to be like, what in the hell? What the hell Did are you he talking cut about? Out there? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all we've got time for for this edition of the show. We'll be back on Thursday with the AEW review and the NXT review. And then it's the Friday Magazine show with a spot, spot, spot special guest. Thank you all so much for listening. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.